welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to your favorite podcast where a couple break down horror movies thematically by month while one slowly dies each month. Uh, last month's theme was invasion species. And I'll tell you, those critters just about killed me. I didn't like them too much. They were at the bottom of my list. It is May. Welcome to a new month and a new theme. Josh, what are we doing? We're watching Phantasm. Don't okay. Dare you sit here and look me in the eyes and shit on critters. Those movies are perfection. Perfection. Okay. Uh, they're Continue. so good. They are so good for what they are. Um, but speaking of incredible for what it is, Phantasm. Phantasm. Um, let's just dive in and talk about the year real fast because I really want to get to talking about this movie. Okay, what year are we talking um, about? It's a, it's a year you're familiar with. Okay. 1979. Hey, that's when this fresh face entered the world. Yep. Um, so what can you recall from 1979? Nothing. The scant few days you were alive for it. I was alive for, yeah, seven days. So... Uh, I was born the size of a toddler, but I don't remember anything. Like one of Shaq's babies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a five-year-old? Uh, okay, 1979, the year, is the year that Ayatollah Khomeini took over Iran. It's not a great year. Not a great um, year. There, The next one's a good one, though. Uh, it was the year that Joseph Mengele drowned after having that stroke while swimming. Okay. You know, that's got to be a terrible way to go, and it couldn't happen to a better person. Yeah. Just like... You're swimming and you have a stroke and then you're drowning and everyone's just like, please die because you're one of the worst fucking humans of the oh 20th no. century. There you go. Um, uh, I hope you shit your pants mm. and then the shit water got in your mouth and then you drown in it. Um, so there you go. Uh, Margaret Thatcher became the Prime Minister of England, speaking of worst people of the 20th century. Yeah. Um, also the year Reagan decided he was going to run for the presidency. Continuing the train of worst people of the 20th century. Uh, McDonald's introduced the Happy Meal. The Happy Meal's as old as you are. Yay! Uh, there you go. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series. Okay. Um, causing hell to freeze over. Uh, the Iran hostage crisis began. Um, and Pink Floyd released The, the Wall. wall. Uh, people that we gained that year were Sarah Polly, Jordan Peele, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa. People that we lost Me? were... You should have chimed in a split second earlier. No. <laughs> you have lost me. Um, we, we did gain you that year. We, we lost Sid Vicious, John Wayne, and Mary Pickford. Yes. So um, in case you're playing the at-home game, um, which we should really have an at-home game, I think. Right? Maybe. Um, the, the movies of that year that pertain to this podcast or, or big cultural things were Alien, The Amityville Horror, Apocalypse Now, Being There, um, the Black Hole, The Brood, mm-hmm. Kramer versus Kramer, Mad mm. Max, Meatballs, uh, The Muppet Movie, Rocky II, Stalker, The Warriors, and Lucio Fulci's Zombie 2, Zombie Dua. Um, so there you go. Woo! That That's fucking a lot. actually kind of ruled. Uh, so there you go. So Phantasm. I'm fond of it. Um, Tell me about Phantasm. Keeping a pretty amazing streak alive. Here's what I know about Phantasm. Hold on. Let's, okay. This movie is one hour. 29 minutes long love it uh it was released march 28th of 1979 okay uh it's rated r um it is written and directed by don coscarelli um okay. who i just i'm not gonna give his whole 
spiel because we're going to be talking about Vaughn a lot this month. Because with the exception of um, the fifth movie, he directed all of them. Okay. And I believe wrote, if not has sole writing credit on most of them. Um, so yes, but at this point he had, he was like young as shit. He was like in 23, 24 when he really? made this movie. And it's like his third movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm just going to throw this out here. Um, he had made a movie called Jim the World's Greatest. Okay. Um, then he made a movie called Kenny and Company which was a, a modest hit. Um, and then he made Phantasm, which blew the fuck up. Um, and then just to put in perspective, if you're you know listening and you want to know, he followed this up with the disaster that was Beastmaster. Um, and that's where we'll leave Don's directing career today. Yeah. So just know that like this was the high, and then it immediately was hit by the low. Um, I just want to point out, too, before we move on, Don is the writer, director, editor, and cinematographer. Of this wow. Movie. Don, 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 Don. Don even rented the equipment for this movie. He wow. rented it on Fridays, so he would have the whole weekend. So he would pay one day and get three days Good to on shoot. him. That's the level of this movie. Thinking it through. Shot it in his hometown on, like, constructed sets and... <laughs> stolen shots at places right on with like actors who were like semi-professional and this movie blew the fuck up um right it's on. produced by Dak coscarelli his father <laughs> who was like a businessman well it's who, nice that you get one yeah. signature and it's you know 10 titles yeah so his father produced the movie and his father essentially did this thing where he was a businessman who had like money to spare and Don had to like fill out a contract with him and he was, he treated it like an actual producer role where he said, I'll do these things. Here's the money. I get my cut first. Yeah. So I recoup any money put out and then we start splitting up. Yep. After that. Um, his I mean, father that's... would be the producer on Jim the World's Greatest, Kenny and Company, Phantasm, Phantasm um, 2, Survival Quest, Phantasm 3, Bubba Hotep, and John dies at the end. Um, family business. Him and his dad. Wow. Which is kind of adorable. He, his mom, just mo- his mom was like a company. novelist, and she wrote the novelization of the movie. Oh, cool. Like, everyone was in the phantasm business in that household. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were a phantasm family. Um, okay. This movie stars a Michael Baldwin as Mike. Um, okay. He was in Kenny and Company. Um, he would be in Phantasm, Phantasm 3, Phantasm 4, and Phantasm 5. It's a lot of phantasms. Um, yes. He's not... I think he's the third most appearances of anyone in Phantasm films. Okay. Tied for, thir- tied for third. Um, and then there's Bill Thornberry, who plays Jody. Um, he is a music teacher who acted a little bit. <laughs> oh, before this movie. Um, I thought you meant like in the movie he played. Okay. No, he's like, is a music teacher now. Like, oh, Like cool. teaches music at college, like guitar and shit. Um, and then just like acted a little bit on the side and ended up being in this like massive cult franchise. <laughs> Uh, he is in Phantasm, like obviously this movie, and then Phantasm Three, Phantasm Four, and Phantasm Five. He is tied Sweet. for three. You notice I didn't say Phantasm Two for either of those people. Correct. Um, and then we have, I'm just gonna go ahead and say this now. All right. The man it. who becomes the other face of the franchise and basically the hero of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Everyone's second favorite character, Reggie Bannister. Okay. Who plays Reggie? Reg, um, everyone's favorite 
ice cream vendor turned action hero. Okay. Um, he was in Jim the World's Greatest, Kenny and Company. He would be in Phantasm 2, Survival Quest, Silent Day Night 4, um, Phantasm 3, 4, and 5, and the Bubba Hotep. He is mm-hmm. tied for most Phantasm appearances. Cool. He's in every single one of them. Um, and then here's the name. Okay. That's going to be important moving forward. Um, the other face of the franchise, the pe- person people most associate with Phantasm, Angus Grimm. That's the old man, right? Playing the tall man. Tall man. I, I, um, I pay attention to the posters on my wall sometimes. He is in all five Phantasm movies. He started out in Jim the World's Greatest. He's in Chopping Mall. He's in Subspecies. He's in John Dies at the End. He's in I Sell the Dead. Wow. Angus Grimm. He used to do Fangoria ads in the 80s. That's <laughs> why I remember him from, like... Just a mortuary with like a casket full of Fangorias, um, Angus Grimm. And then I'm just going to, last person I'm going to mention is Kathy Lester, who's the Lady in Lavender. She would be in Phantasm 3 and Phantasm 5. She's only in the odds. Interesting. Um, one, three, she five. She was like a dancer. I also think like erotic dancer at one point. Oh. And then like a singer and like, yeah, they oh. just hired her to do this little part. And it just led to her popping back up her random Phantasm shit. So. Fun. Um, holy shit, this movie. This movie. How are we watching this movie? Uh, well, I mean, I've got a giant collector's Blu-ray set. <laughs> I just wanted to like hear you say it. Sphere and these movies are on Shutter. These are on. Like, we have an 2D. entire hall. Are, I have yes. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and talk about that real fast. Go ahead and talk about your um, your phantasm. There's wall. a phantasm wall in this house mm-hmm. that's got all of the posters signed by Don. And then I've got a record signed by um, all of the cast from the first film, minus Angus. And then I've got an 8x10 signed by, like, um, Angus and um, Bill and Reggie and A. Michael Baldwin. So these movies are so They're his important to me. Um, I love them so, 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 so much. I have much. been warned, y'all. I have been warned. Okay. All right. Uh, well, you know, uh, I was going to say this is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me a poster of this movie and I try to discern meaning. I'm not looking at the poster, Josh. I'm not looking at it. I'm not. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I think these movies are about based on the four posters on the wall and a laser disc cover. Is that what that middle one is? And it's an LP. It's a, a, And an 8x10 picture and the actual little ball thing. Okay. I think this is going to be about something to do with dimensions, like portals and things. And people fuck around and find out that they can like go through these dimensions. Like, oh, this is kind of like a cool thing, but there are consequences. And the old man is like the gatekeeper. And he's like, you can't just do this. And they has to they have to pay for what I don't know. That's all I got. It's weird. I haven't how, like, like fleshed it out. How? But that's in my head. Like what this plot is. It's weird how you're like so wrong, <laughs> but you're only like one degree wrong with like every fact that you stated. <laughs> it's like you're so close to being right with everything that it's just so wrong. But it's you're like it's like when you put it all together, you're like that's a totally different movie. But like. You're only, like, one degree off on, like, most of the things you said. Um, so that's a thing. I, I will say this movie has one of my favorite um, taglines ever to a movie, which is... What is it? Uh, if this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I didn't know that. And then every trailer begins with like, Phantasm. <laughs> Is it um, the delusion of a disordered mind? <laughs> a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. So, yeah. All right. We're off to watch our fancy schmancy phantasm box set. We'll uh, see you in a little bit. Mind the doors. Phantasm. The delusion of a disordered mind. A phantom. A spirit. A ghost. For nearly four decades, it has been contained. But evil always has a way of breaking free. Tommy's gone. <laughs> it's hard to believe. It was a good idea not to let your little brother come to the funeral. Hey, I don't like this place. Something weird is going on up there. The funeral is about to begin, sir. What's wrong with you? There's something up there. I saw it. You got some kind of an overactive imagination or something? I know you're not going to believe this, but these things were here. Oh, give me a break. Okay, I believe you. What we gotta do is lay that sucker out flat and drive a stake right through his goddamn heart. You gotta run that tall bastard straight down to hell. You play a good game, boy. But the game is finished. Now you die. Phantasm. Don't fear. Hey everybody, welcome back. We watched Phantasm. Did everyone think it was fantastic? I've never Cheesy been grin here. more hmm? nervous mm -hmm. and simultaneously excited to watch a movie with you for this podcast and i think it was for this movie not even like Pumpkinhead or no no because no. like those are things where i'm like i don't expect you to like a lot of those things and mm -hmm. when you do it's like oh it's like a nice plus this was a movie where i was like i really need this to work <laughs> <laughs> i really need this to be okay this movie is so stupidly important to me in my life okay um well, it's, like, it's not like Monster Squad important, but it's it's in the sphere right outside that. See well, what they did there? Sphere. Let's start right off by saying I don't know how to sum this movie up. I've been sitting here while we've been setting up like, all right, what's a short way to sum up this movie? Um, well, I think before we get into that, I think it's worth noting that? this movie has two origins and i think if once i point both of these origins out it'll make sense all right so let me know these origin points um this movie is a combination of weird like nightmares that don coscarelli had had all right about like a funeral home and whatnot so there's that there's a funeral home with a mausoleum that goes on forever in its basement and none of that was real. All that was like <laughs> yeah. built in. Yeah, it's a whole thing. This movie is fucking crazy. Um, all that is like uh, like wallpaper and like paint. There's no like marble in this movie. 
Nice. Well, I mean, that's practical yeah. effect. Good so, on. But then there, there's, so there's that side of the origin of this movie. is like, it's from a weird dream Don had, or dreams, plural. But then there's also, like, this is his third movie. And he had, you know, he was going into his third movie. And he his plan was to make an adaptation of Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Mm, and okay. he had reached out to Ray Bradbury, and Ray Bradbury was like, I just sold the rights to Disney. Yeah, and that was so all of the energy of wanting to make a a something this way, something wicked this way comes movie, just went into Phantasm. So right. this movie is like a weird, bizarro something wicked this way comes, like with like the mirror and the the, the carnies that come to town and Fair. everything from that like book and movie. It's kind of. The sim, like the similar vibe of just like a nightmare did we do that movie outsider yeah we did remember. for a second i'm just i was just thinking it's like been a we've while done ago, that but like it's been a minute yeah um oh what's his name who was the star of jonathan taylor thomas yo god damn it don't do that to me jonathan price yeah jonathan price am i right yeah nice i can't uh, believe i just got that it popped in my of, head the star of brazil Every now and then, Josh um, and I have this weird shared brain, and we let other people realize that we have it. Well, funny enough, we I just kept saying Jonathan. I had to close my eyes because there's a Jonathan Brandis thing behind you. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not it. That's definitely not it. He was definitely not in there. Uh, it just popped in my head. I heard it. I, so. heard, I heard the voice screaming in your head and was like, oh, I better say this before he gets yeah. pissed. Um, so basically, the you know, the story about the he's an alien or a demon or something you don't really know and he comes to town with like a traveling sideshow and he has that ability to like give everyone what they want but it has a price right and then you've got this movie where someone else comes to town and they start doing horrible things to the townspeople so it's kind of got a similar vibe but it's it, it turns out wildly different. Like, it's he's an alien. I guess. From another dimension. Another dimension is what I got from it. So, this fucking movie. The, okay. The amazing thing about this movie, and I'll give you two IMDb synopses, and we'll kind of go through the movie. All right. Um, just a quick thing real fast. So, um, Phantasm is a movie... That is now steeped in all of this mythology, this like phantasm mythology about the tall man and like the spheres and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All of that was just like shit that Don thought of, and then they backloaded the meaning into the movie. Okay. And it's built, everything's built on dream logic, so it works, but it also doesn't Definitely work. Definitely doesn't work in some parts, yeah. So, and then like it gets expounded on in the later movies, and it makes more sense. Okay. But this first movie, I just think, I don't know. We'll talk about it in a second. But here, I'm going to read you That's kind of what we're here for. Yeah, I'm going to read you these two, these two synopses, and then we'll, we'll break down this movie. So the first one is, a teenage boy and his friends face off against a mysterious grave robber known only as the tall man who employs a lethal arsenal of unearthly weapons. Vegas fuck. Vegas fuck. Which is why I'm going with this. Mike, a young teenage boy who has just lost his parents, afraid to lose his brother, follow him, follows him to a funeral where Mike witnesses the tall man lifting a coffin on his own. Mike decides to investigate and discovers that the tall man, protected by his flying spheres, uh, is shrinking dead bodies down to half their normal size and reanimating them as slaves in another dimension. Up to Mike, his brother, and Reggie, the ice cream man, to stop the tall man. 
Right. So. That's why I thought it was another dimension because that's what I thought the whole deal was. They were sending them down there to be yeah, slaves so there. Is it another dimension or is it another planet? You're traveling across like a great distance in space. I don't know. Like the, the later movies kind of hint that it's definitely more of like a um, dimension thing and not like a space thing. But it could be a space. There, It's very vague. It's very okay. vague. I'll give you the exact how the mythology of this movie was created. So they needed a gateway and they ended up making those two uh, metal poles. Right. Right. He had those made. Those were actually metal. They weighed a fucking ton. Mm-hmm. And they put him in that room that was all white to look something like something out of 2001 A Space. Kind of septic. Yeah. And he was like, so this is our gate, but I don't know how it works. And uh, Reggie, the ice cream man, and then his then wife or girlfriend were there. And she was like, it kind of looks like a tuning fork. And he was like, oh, yeah, man. Like, we could do like a, it's like a tuning, like a like a frequency thing. And then that that was how that came. Like That whole sing- it was singing just portion of the movie came into play. It on after it was already in place. Because they're like, oh, yeah. Like, it does look like a tuning fork. Fuck it. It's a tuning fork. And then they went back and shot that scene with like Reggie with the tuning fork. So it would explain like later how he would understand the concept of like putting his hands. Like. All right. Yeah. This movie. You hear how ridiculous you're sounding right now, right? I know. Okay. And I'm so excited. All right. Okay. I'm going to try to do a breakdown of this movie before we talk about it. Why don't we just talk about it and break it down? So, do you want to try to give us a synopsis for this? Um, as best as No, we can. I mean, I, I, we already did the IMDb one. I mean, that kind of explains it. I said I really couldn't come up with one. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how to explain. Like, I don't really know what I saw. I watched a funeral home that had a mausoleum in the bottom. And then the tall man has been there since the 1800s. And this kid lost his parents. But it's been like a few years because his brother was in California. But then I, I don't I don't understand. It's well, I've been assured that it will make sense as we watch. No, it won't. All right. Like some of the mythology becomes a little more solid but like the dream logic is a thing that persists through every single one of these movies okay to the point where it gets too ridiculous with the last one um which wasn't directed by don so um yeah so basically there's a angus Grimm is the tall man Mm -hmm. and he is an alien either from another dimension or from outer space Mm -hmm. and he is transforming into the lady in lavender Mm-hmm. Um, and to lure people and in. killing people, right? Or just taking the natural dead bodies that would come to a funeral home, right? Um, he is shrinking them down so that in these little barrels, right? And then using them for nefarious purposes in another in another dimension. We already said all this. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. they look like Jawas from Star Wars, kind and they, they of. Were, yeah. They were all played by kids, like all of the. You didn't really see them much. Yeah, all of them were played by. Jawas kids. is a good way to. I thought like of spaceballs, but yeah, same thing. What were they called? Spaceballs. I don't remember. They always walk in at one. Yeah, I forget what they were called. Dinks. Ding ding. Dinks yeah, dinks. That's it. Yeah, and then, in the middle of this, is a boy. Right, is Michael and his brother, right. you said, who has just come back to town after an undetermined length. And the reason, I'm just going to say this now, that the plot seems so, like, 
Weird. Weird. Mm-hmm. Is this movie was three hours long. Oh. Okay. And then he cut an hour and a half out of it. Okay. And totally changed scene. And some of the scenes and shit that he shot show up in later movies. Okay. But like there was a whole like for instance there was an entire scene of Jody in the bar with the lady in lavender where it just they had like a whole conversation and everything. Okay. It wasn't yeah, just she, like the lady in lavender doesn't she really shows talk up and they're much. like, Do you want to fuck? And yeah. then they just dip and you're like, Well, that no, was it's fast. the seventies. <laughs> it's the seventies, what are you gonna do? So there was like a lot of like additional shots that were like there were a whole there was a whole subplot of Jody working at a bank. Oh. That got dropped. Because it was just like, do we really This is need this? really long. Do we really need there's no way we can have a three hour independent movie. movie and have it be at any point successful, yeah. Yeah. Um Especially in so, the seventies. So of course, like in something wicked this way comes fashion, Mike discovers the tall man is a monster of some kind and no one believes him. Right? Until right. his brother finally believes him when he shows him the severed finger. Right. That it's is like, like cheese whizzing um rather than bleeding that was pretty disgusting yeah they bleed yellow <laughs> yeah that was it the whole thing gross um, that don got that idea because he just poked his finger through the bottom of a styrofoam cup and was like look at that Ew. why don't we do that <laughs> that's that sounds so much grosser than it is <laughs> poked his finger through a cup and was like let's do this yeah like it's it's fucking crazy that Don Coscarelli made this movie mm-hmm. when he was 23. Wow. And this was his third movie. <laughs> like his the third 70s were a wild feature time. Film. He was 25 when it finally got released. And Damn. it was a mega fucking hit. <laughs> 25. Damn, son. Um, which is fucking crazy. But so Michael enlists the help of his brother, um, Jody. Right. Who is a, in real life, a, we said a music teacher who has that song he sings on the front porch with <laughs> for no reason that they're so excited about <laughs> just so that we know what a tuning fork does yeah well it was a thing where like he was a real life musician so mm-hmm. when he got the part they were like oh fuck it we'll just put your songs in this like that's the kind of movie this was they're like oh you do this thing fuck it we'll do it like they somehow this is before it was a major brand they got a dose Eki sponsorship <laughs> I saw that. And that's why there's fucking... I thought it was just that it was such a small movie that nobody cared. No. They, Dos Equis gave them like a hundred cases of beer. Oh, cool. And like, well. they were just drinking it all the fucking time. That's why it's in every shot. Like, to the point where like, they would... They had so much free beer in scenes where they were drinking, they were actually drinking, and they would just shoot until they were buzzed. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we... We can't do this anymore. And like, when Michael's drinking beer, he's really drinking beer. Like, he went to cast parties and everything, just partied he was like 14 okay man like it was a whole thing um yeah the <laughs> 70s were a different fucking time yes, right? they were indeed people were less up in arms about like let's just drink beer for breakfast yeah, yeah just that's fine um and then it basically turns into a standoff at the turns into a standoff at the mortuary right and which is also the mausoleum, Reggie which dies. is also the funeral home. Reggie dies. Yes. And then they think they killed the tall man, but they can't kill the tall man. And then there's a whole extended sequence at the end where they bury him alive in yep. a mine shaft. But we didn't know about beforehand. And then Michael wakes up to the realization that he's at Reggie's house. Reggie is taking care of him. His parents are not only dead, but Jody's been dead for a yep. while, too. 
It's um, all been a weird Jacob's Ladder scenario. And then the tall man appears and he's like, you know, oh, it's all been a dream. And he's like, no, it no it's not. And that was the ending of the movie originally. It was, it was all a dream. And the tall man was actually like a guy who worked at the funeral home. Okay. And it was just like this way of like Michael dealing with like death. Okay. And then I see that. Everyone was like, you can't have an hour and a half movie where people are like running from this guy and then it's like it was all a dream so people would be fucking pissed <laughs> so they changed the ending and dropped like the original script like this movie had so many like starts and stop like it was shot on fucking weekends okay for like months this movie was shot over like a year plus of just like hey there's a week like they would get excited about, like, Easter and Christmas break and shit because they could, like, bank shots with Michael because he was out of school. Oh, so how many years did it take this to make this? This took, like, a year. Okay. Like, of shooting and whatnot. Like, so the one of the last things they shot was the stuff at m- the Morningside, mm-hmm. which that was the original title of the movie was Morningside, and then they were like, you got to change the fucking Yeah, that's thing. a boring name. Um but the big funeral home and the shit at the end was, like, one of the last things they shot before they did, like, pickups and whatever else and, and change some stuff around. But, like, so the issue with uh, those shots at the actual Morningside or mm-hmm. location was the, yeah. So Angus Scrim, whose real life name is, like, Rory. That's the tall Whatever, man. yeah. Uh, his mother had um, Alzheimer's really bad. And he had, like, had to be flown up separately Oh, so and then like... he went back like immediately after shooting and then the hospital was like she's gonna we're gonna send her home and like blah 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 and then like she died oh so like that's awful sad this came right after like is but, that like a real death yeah but like the he's the only person who was like old like <laughs> the, i mean i wasn't joking when I, he like dom was 23 the most of the ca- like the crew were college students who were doing this part-time they were studying for their finals between shots when they didn't have shit to do. They were just, like, pounding through, like, their undergrad yeah. books. Uh, a lot of them got back from shooting that, like, last big break up in Oakland, which is where that be- the house is, um, and then went into finals week. <laughs> like, Well, if, you lo- if, you know, if you're going to be successful at something, you've got to have a passion for it. And you've got to live and breathe. So, yeah, they did. Like, this was such a homemade movie. That do you remember the scene where um, Jody has the shotgun and he goes to the sunroof and he's like shooting at the hearse? Yes. So to get those shots, it was Don running the camera and I forget who was running sound, and they were in the trunk of the car shooting up at Jody while he was firing a real <laughs> shotgun with real bullets. Can't do that anymore. Right. Probably shouldn't have done it back then either. To be honest. And uh, they were like, it was deafening because like, yeah, they were like, it's they're loud. having a shotgun shot three feet from your head. Very is, loud. They're like way louder than we expected it to be. And then for like safety, because this is 1977, whatever, whatever when this yeah. is being made. They were like, so Don's going to have to like look through the camera. We need to like give him something for safety. So he just taped a fucking cushion to his head. In case a bullet went through it? Well, no, in case, like, you know, one of the shells being ejected just, like, hit him in the head or whatever. <laughs> and then, like, so they did the shot, and they were like, yeah, and they got out of the car, and, like, Don's cushion was on fire, and they had to, like, get it off of his head. Wow, that's... <laughs> was it... 
<laughs> all for the movie. <laughs> all for the love of the shot. So, um, yeah, oh my God. Yeah, the uh, I got some. I pulled some trivia for you, and essentially, like I said, the genesis of the story came to dawn in a dream. Uh, he had a dream of fleeing down endlessly long marble corridors, pursued by a chrome sphere, intent on penetrating his skull with a wicked needle. Okay, that is what um, happens. Originally, it was supposed to be a hypodermic needle. Okay, not like the la- not the lightning bolts. Yeah, um, but what happened was they saw Star Wars. And they have that interrogation droid, which is just like a ball with a needle on it. And they're like, well, fuck, there goes that idea. Oh. Which is such like a, it, that droid's in that shot for like two seconds. Well, but you don't want to be accused of, you know, stealing like, somebody else's. We already have Jawas in our movie. <laughs> We've already been shooting the fucking Jawas. Don't want um, a lawsuit on our hands. Yeah, this movie was so low-fi that they legitimately hired a guy who was like a minor league pitcher. And he would just throw the spheres down the hallway. And they would film it. Well, I, I guess if you got to do what you got to do and you don't have anybody who's good at <laughs> throwing a softball around. Yeah. And then they would reverse it so it looked like it was actually, like, climbing an altitude. And, like, they Rather attached than, it oh, to the, it. the guy's head. The, that's helping the tall man. They attached it to his head and then pulled it off. Okay. And then reversed the footage, which is why it's got that. And then it, like, lands perfectly on his head. Okay. Um, this movie, because of that scene, was rated X. Because of that scene? Because um, the eyeball, the eye-penetrating scene? No, because the guy peed himself when he died. Oh, but that's... That's how different a world this was. That, that's what really happened. They were like, die. you can't have him pee himself. But that's what happens when you die. Yeah, like a film critic, and I'll get to that in a minute, had to like call the MPAA and be like, come on, guys. Seriously, come on. Like, like I, that doesn't make any sense. That, that's fact that's factual i know right um the spheres were designed by craftsman willard green um who charged eleven hundred dollars to make them how many do they have to have uh he made like a hero sphere which was like a full sphere and then like two like a left half a right half like one that could do certain things um different shots and he actually died at the end of 1977 and never saw any of the footage so he never got to see the spheres in action so oh well but okay it's theirs though and uh now they don't have to pay copyright right now yeah, yeah. uh and don <laughs> don took the the phrase phantasm from the works of edgar Allan poe when he was trying to come up with a new um title i think it's fun that this is very edgar Allan poe yeah very macabre uh and the running time was actually over three hours uh, gosh but don was like no, this is too long. And then a lot of the unused footage gets brought, especially in Phantasm Four. There's a lot of that's the one that you said we're five. not watching, right? Um, five is the one that we may do a thing where we just combine four and five into one episode because I, I do love four, but um, not five. Five is it's okay. Um, I don't it's think okay. I have it in me to do a whole episode on just five because I don't want to end on me just shitting on a Phantasm movie. Okay, um, I want to end on like. So here's four and five. Okay. Like, sorry, Don, I love you, but Phantasm Five is um, it's not it's not my favorite. Um, the tall man lifted that. He actually he was older. He had health problems. Yeah. You know. Um, in re- in real life, <laughs> the coffin that he lifts by himself for the first time, you're like, something's not fucking right here. Yeah. That was made out of balsa wood. Okay. And he had like a rope attached around him so he could like eat more easily, pick it up. 
Yeah, Lawrence Rory Guy is what is Angus Scrim's real name. He had to choose a stage name, and he chose Angus, Angus Scrim. Yeah, Lawrence. That sounds like Rory a Dickens novel. Guy um, won a bunch of Grammys for like liner notes on like classical albums. We were whatnot. talking in the like, front yeah. half about that. That was what a random thing to like. Oh, okay. But I mean, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, look, get paid, man. I just, no. You never think about, especially nowadays, right? You never think about liner notes. Probably don't even know, like, half my kids, like, CD, right? What? What do you mean they a case? They don't even know what a CD is, really, anymore. Yeah, that's what I mean. What do you mean a case? What's a CD? Uh, it reminds me of the Parks and Rec episode where Ron's listening to that iPod. Oh, yeah. He's like, Tom put all my records on this triangle, or in this rectangle. <laughs> this is a good rectangle. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so just, just we were talking about this movie being literally a homemade movie, right? It yes. was made, like, Dawn's mom did, like, five jobs. She did so many different jobs, she started using, like, pseudonyms in the credits. <laughs> so it just didn't look sad. So it wasn't just, like, five people did everything. Your mom did it. Um, this movie was made for $300,000. Do you want to guess how much money this movie that was made for $300,000 made? Tell me. How much money did this movie make? $22 million. I mean, that explains why it's a whole universe, right? I mean, it... Dang, that's a hell of a... Wow, that's a hell of a profit. Holy shit. Were any of the other ones as popular as this one? Or have as... I should say have Um, as wide a profit margin as this one? So, (laughs) no. Okay. Um, So, two got a... That's incredible. Holy shit. We'll talk about two... For next week. Okay. But two got like a mega release and then it bombed. And then three and four were like straight to DVD. Ah, okay. Um, so none of them had nearly the money. That like, the first one did. That, that the first one. Like two had a way larger budget. But, but it, it didn't, didn't make bring nearly in. any money. Yeah. Um, this was like the runaway hit of Don's career. <laughs> this, this movie made Don Coscarelli. And like he was able to go off and do like Beastmaster. Which was the first time that reality hit him like... Hollywood can be fucking shitty. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. So there are a lot of people who have put a lot of analysis on this movie, right? Okay. Like, Are um, you one of them? Yes. <laughs> but I know a lot of, like, there's a film scholar I like. His name is John Kenneth Muir. Uh, he does a lot of writing on genre film, especially like Carpenter and whatnot. Okay. Uh, he says this movie is all about mourning and death. I right? can see that. I mean, it is um, a funeral home. Saying that many of the uh, film's fans are young boys, age ten to thirteen, and it's the fir- it's this way of like that whole viewer when you first addressing. I think I saw this probably maybe a smidge older than that. Okay, I'm just but curious close to the ten to thirteen range. You hit um, that primary target audience. Yeah. So Angus Grimm said the film gives an expression to all their insecurities and fears. Right? Ooh. Okay. Uh, he also says that there's the theme of loss and how by fantasizing about death, the young protagonist deals with the deaths in his family. And that's what drives the story. Okay. Uh, yeah. I can see why people would get lost in this movie. There is a lot of room for, you know, deeper meaning and symbolism and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I can see how this is it, an easy movie to It does the David Lynch dive thing into. That Lynch is known for where it's like, if you don't explain it... People will explain it for themselves in a way that they want it to be explained. Right. And they enjoy it all the more. Right. Like you give someone a container and it's a really nice container and then they're going to fill it with whatever they want to fill it with. 
Right. And that's, that's a very Lynch thing to something say. Something yes. that's missing from a lot of modern movies because now everything is like laid out for A you. to B to C, like plot point, plot point, plot. And everything makes sense. And there, you don't have to like, like, I, you don't leave a lot Careful, of movies. Careful, Grandpa. Now. Are you about to no, no, say? No no, 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 no. I'm just saying like movies these days. Here's the thing it's this whole blockbuster thing. Like, blockbusters are a needed piece of the movie diet. It's not the whole meal. But that's become the whole meal. Like, it, when was the last time that you left a movie at a movie theater, not like watching something that was made in like 1982 or whatever, mm-hmm. and you left it like a movie and then you walked around and thought about it for days? <laughs> it's been a while. It's been before COVID. Like everything is so McDonald's disposable, right? It's like I go in, I sit down, I don't have to question anything. I'm given like now, sadly, like three fucking hours of <laughs> non-stop Three entertainment hours. jesus fucking christ movies are so long now yes they uh, are and they don't need to be no they do not they don't need to be like every movie now is like biblical epic length now how come when i say it you make fun of me but when you say it it's a great epiphany <laughs> i don't make fun of you. yes you don't Cindy, here we go too long i hear your words i just don't care so um oh uh so John Kenneth Muir described the tall man as embodying childhood fears of adults and states that he the tall does, man... It, he is like a yeah. nightmare in Wins this. in the end because dreams are the only place where death can be defeated. Oh. I mean, yeah, that's true. So, um, this movie is got a lot of, like, comparisons to, like, Boonwell movies and Yodorovsky movies because of their strange, strangeness and their dreamlike quality. And... I think it was just because Don was like making it up as he went along and but it works. Yeah, he had a cast and crew that were that believed in whatever the vision was he was putting out. So that's kinda all you need. Um positive attitude and people to back you. There were a lot of positive reviews. Um not surprisingly, Roger Ebert, famous for hating everything horror, shit on this movie. <laughs> uh saying that it was a labor of love, if not a terrifically skillful one. Okay. Roger Ebert, kind of a dick about horror movies. <laughs> always. All like, the time, always really? always dunking on horror movies. It's not his particular genre, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So next week, obviously, we are going to be watching Phantasm 2. Yes? We, indeed, we are. Now, is there a subtitle to that? Nope, just Phantasm 2. Okay. I miss the days of just like, what if we call it title and then put a number two behind it? I'll give it like a sub heading or whatever, a colon in a fucking title. Just, hey, just Phantasm 2. Um, they do, after this, have subtitles. There but it is. Just Phantasm 2. Uh, what was your favorite moment from this movie? Uh, the uh, <laughs> the sphere to the eye was pretty memorable, <laughs> for sure. That was disgusting. Um, the lady in lavender and having sex in a cemetery was hilarious. And that that's how the other guy died too. Um, I was like, guys, just stop going with people to a cemetery to fuck. Come on. Um, I forgot to mention both of those were body doubles. So the scene where she, you see her boobs, Mm -hmm. that was a body double. Well, yeah. And then the scene where you see Jody's ass, that was a body double. Nobody wanted Bill to Thorber show. Like, their... ah, I really don't want to show my ass, man. I'm not gonna do it. Like, so not gonna do it. Uh, who was your favorite character? 
in this movie? Um, I don't really know because there's a lot of characters in this movie. Jody, I guess. I don't know. He's kind of like, I think, supposed to be like the heartthrobby guy, right? Is that? I just love the fact that we're heading into Phantasm 2. You pick the one actor and character who's not in Phantasm. That's what I mean. Like, I think we're supposed to follow him, but he was kind of a dunce. So I guess his little brother. He's in three and four. He's just not in two. I guess his 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 fourteen year old brother is who I'm supposed to be rooting for. I mean, fair. I think. Knowing only what you know, okay. it's kind of hard to be because you've only seen Phantasm. And That's like, what I was trying to say. I'll go with Michael, I guess, but like as the series, it's definitely Reggie. Like, <laughs> I by, I think by the time we get to the end of two, you're going to be like, so Reggie's the best character. Okay. So, all right. Well, mark excited. mark it, and uh, I'll let you. We'll we'll return back to this, revisit this conversation. Yeah. Yes. All right. So uh, next week, fantastic. So I guess this whole month is this. Um, okay. I'm just kind of preparing for what I know from posters. But all right. Until next week. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. I fucking love Phantom. <laughs>